Welcome to the Help and Hope podcast produced by Mark Inc. Ministries. I'm your host, Sharon Betters, and it is such a privilege for me to talk to our guests, especially about life crises that they have experienced or maybe they're in the middle of right now. And sometimes these experiences are experienced in isolation and with minimal support from friends and family, not because family doesn't care, but because their loved ones often just don't know how to come alongside of them. And so today we are going to be talking about a really deep subject, one that I don't think is discussed enough. I think we shy away from it because it is mental illness. And I think especially Christians sometimes have a hard time understanding how that all fits into our faith. And so my guest today is Seema Nedekar, and she is the author of many books, including the award-winning series, Christian Biographies for Young Readers. She is a prolific writer. Um, But what we're going to be talking about today is the story that she shares in her book, Broken Pieces and the God Who Mends Them, Schizophrenia Through a Mother's Eyes. And I hope that you will, as you listen to our conversation, you're going to say, man, I need to hear more. Because not only does she share her son's story, she packs the second half of the book with resources that will help a family navigate this really painful pathway. So, Simonetta, thank you so much for joining me today and for your heart to offer hope and help to other people. Why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself before we get started into talking about schizophrenia? I was born in Italy, as you can tell by my accent. I was born in a Catholic family. When I was young, I I wanted to be a very good Roman Catholic. I actually wanted to be a saint. Mm. (laughs) (laughs) Um, The Lord provided uh, sent some missionaries uh, at one point to Italy to tell me about the gospel. And it was a strange journey. It took some time. You know, in Italy, they don't have so many. And well, now they have a few Protestant churches, but not that many then. And I met my husband, he's American, and uh, he was also Christian. And so we got married, traveled, I'm making this story short, and (laughs) we had uh, eight kids all together. And then we ended up in America. At first, my husband liked to travel, but with eight kids, we we found it was easier (laughs) to come back here. And so some of our kids were born here. I think actually only the last two were born here. And I homeschooled my kids most of the time because because of our travels. And also I I really thought it was the best way. And um, and then about writing, that, that came unexpectedly. Uh, I started writing children's books biographies because I saw a need for a certain type of biographies and I couldn't find them when I was looking for them. So it was trying to fill a need that was there. But actually, initially, I didn't even think I would be writing. I was trying to encourage other people to write them and nobody was doing it. So (laughs) my first children's biography was done in teamwork with my kids (laughs) and then from there I just kept writing 
And the book they are talking about, I wrote it about maybe five years ago. I don't remember. It took me a long time to write. So my son, Jonathan, was uh, diagnosed with schizophrenia. Now that the dates are a bit blurry in my mind, but I think it was in 2012, maybe. But we had seen some odd signs and we didn't know exactly. And that's one thing about schizophrenia. It tends to show up during the teenage years. And those are already difficult years. So you don't know, is it being a teenager or, you know, is there something more? And plus he went to college, which was difficult. Went to college to another town. And also it was difficult for us to monitor his progress to see how he was doing. So all that, when he was finally diagnosed with schizophrenia, uh, it was a major shock in my life. I just, I didn't even know exactly what it was. And that's one reason why I wrote this book, because I think we don't know enough. We are trained to, to learn about some diseases that can happen or some problems that can happen during your teenage years, or problems you can encounter in college. But nobody talks about mental illnesses or especially schizophrenia, which is so strange and so difficult to, to understand. Can you give us a little, like a really bottom line, what is schizophrenia? So. It's a condition of the brain that it, the brain stops functioning the way it normally does. And there are people divided into positive and negative symptoms. There's no positive. <laughs> I don't know why they give it a name. There's nothing positive in it. But what they call positive symptoms, I guess it would be more like active symptoms, which is hallucinations, hearing voices usually, but you could also see uh, something and uh, delusions, thinking that something is there when it's not. And all that is connected to paranoia often. I, I can't say always there are many types of schizophrenia. My, my son was diagnosed with paranoid schizophrenia, but that's understandable because if you hear voices that are not there and you see things, and they're never, as far as I know, they're not good voices. I talk to other people and they're usually pretty bad voices and they tell you things that are very discouraging and uh, hurtful. They're convinced that they're real. So that's the difficulty for parents, for anybody, because you can tell them all you want. No, they're not there. If they hear them, they hear them. It's very hard. So you have to win their trust first, and it, it takes a long time. And then what they call negative symptoms is more like the social, their social life it's affected, and even their emotions seem to be quenched, so they don't feel emotions with the same intensity as other people. It's, it's a whole combination of things. And many times the person is no longer what you expected, what you knew. My son was no longer the son I knew. But then some things are still there. So that's that's the tricky part. 
he was still Jonathan. He still mm. had a lot of his normal traits. And then he was another person also. That's why sometimes people use the word schizophrenia to say split personality, which is not. And I wish people would stop using the term that way because it's kind of confusing. It's not split personality, but there is a, a takeover of a new person in some ways because the, the person becomes so busy dealing with these voices or hallucinations or delusions and everything that goes on in their mind that the rest of their life comes in second place. Well, in your book, I couldn't put it down because you were very transparent about Jonathan's journey. And I would think that anyone who has a loved one who is caring for that loved one and trying to understand that person, I think your story would be very illuminating for them to see that what I'm going through, what he's going through, she's going through, this is not abnormal for their condition. Why do you think it's important for us to understand that this is an illness? Um, You mentioned that the brain, there's something that changes in the brain. And I think especially in the context of Christian people, Mm -hmm. why is it important to understand that mental illness truly is a medical uh, crisis, a, a, a physical illness? Yeah, sometimes I try to understand people who don't want to believe it because some people say you don't see, you cannot test it. There's not a test that tells you, you know, in your blood, it shows that there is. Although now some brain scans do show that there are changes in the brain. I think with time, they would be able to also show the type of changes. Right now, it's all new. And plus, a lot of people with schizophrenia don't want to have a CAT scan because who wants to go under that tunnel? And, Mm. you know, especially if you're paranoid, it will take some time. But, But there are changes in the brain. For a person who lives with it, it's pretty clear that it's a condition and it's not just something you can overcome by prayer or reading your Bible more. I wish, you know, because I mean, I prayed (laughs) desperately Mm. and read the Bible with them and everything, but but there was more. And I know people have some reservations about medications. I don't even take Tylenol Mm. (laughs) if Mm. I can. If I take Tylenol, I'm desperate. But when I give my some medications, and then it's hard to find the correct ones. I had another experience later with the, another family member, and I, I'm not mentioning because this person is still with us, and I don't want to give his name. But with him, they found the correct medication right away, and I can see they work. So sometimes people say, oh, you can't just go by that. But that's all we have for now. And if they work, they work. And there's something that they are correcting. Mm -hmm. And I think eventually the medical system will progress in that direction. And psychiatry is still kind of a young discipline in some ways. So that's why I am convinced that it is a physical ailment of the brain. That's why medication works. 
I don't think advocating for medications or, or allowing the use of medication implies that you don't trust the Lord. Uh, it's the same for anything. If I have cancer, I, I do, I take whatever the doctors tell me to take or you know, make my own decisions. But at the same time, I know ultimately it's the Lord that heals. Yeah. And like I was saying with my with Jonathan, he eventually died. And uh, with this other person that I was telling you about that also had something similar, he's doing well. Why? We don't know. You know, the Lord has his timing and his plans. And so you do the same things, more or less, and the Lord has his way. But yeah. but I think we, we can do what we can, yeah. And I um, can see that uh, Jonathan's, even though you were a committed Christian before he was diagnosed mm-hmm. and you walked a, a pathway of obedience and faith, but that it's challenging. You have a choice when you are faced with the question you just raised is, why did it work here? And it didn't work here with my son. I mm-hmm. prayed and it really pushes us to the Lord. Those questions push us to the Lord. And I think it's important for people to understand Mm -hmm. those questions are not questions of weakness. They don't show, well, I have a weak faith. It's actually, to me, it is a strong faith where you trust the Lord enough to know he's the one with the answers and Mm -hmm. he's the one with the encouragement and the hope. And it's a kind of lamenting, which we see all through scripture that we don't understand, but we finally, I think, we're like a, a child who is screaming and carrying on and then just finally slumps into the parent's arms and falls asleep and rests. And because of my own journey with grief uh, and the loss of our son, Mark, I have experienced that more than once. And I've, at first, when I asked those questions, I felt like I should be like I'm in a bubble of grace, you know, don't ask any questions, trust the Lord. And that wasn't the gift he gave to me. He gave me the gift of wrestling, but the treasures I have because of that are priceless. And so I'm so grateful. So with your son, Jonathan, uh, what was the greatest fear you had when, when you had the diagnosis? And, and just to say that I think when you know, you accept this is a medical issue, there is a wound in his brain somewhere. I would think that that would really help you in your caregiving to be more patient and all those things. What was your greatest fear when you started realizing this is not going to go away? I don't know. I I think I had lots of different fears. I mean, of course, there was the fear that he would die. And that's never, I mean, even if we know our children of the Lord and he was a believer, it's never a thought the parent wants to entertain her son might die. Other things too, sometimes just afraid that something that would happen to him once he ended up in jail for just for he was driving and they he had an accident. And I think because he was responding the way someone with a mental illness might respond, they just took him to jail um, to figure out what was going on. But for me to know he was in jail, it's like, mm-hmm. oh no. And thinking, could he be in jail for an unlimited period of time? Maybe you hear all the time people with mental illness ending up mm-hmm. there. So many things were in my mind that could have happened. And, mm-hmm. and I had to 
repress them in some way. You know, I had to hope for the best and, and also prepare for the worst. Know that there was always a possibility that something could happen. Even when you had an accident, it could have been so much worse. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then, you know, trust the Lord and hope for the best. And how did you take care of yourself, feed your own soul as mm-hmm. you were? I mean, these are enormous worries that yes. you are describing. Any parent would know that, you know, how do you go about your normal quote unquote life? Um, you know, how do you, as I, as I said, take care of yourself and especially spiritually? Yeah, I had to make a lot of decisions. There were times when we had to decide whether to even let him come home. He was hospitalized once and I decided to let him stay home. I was always very firm around wanting my son home, which was, I knew it was going to be very taxing for me, especially because I'm home all the time and I was the one that received all the brunt of uh, his explosions, as well as seeing him suffer. And and it was very, very difficult for me. One thing I am very grateful is that I had a good church to start with. I think having a good church and having a good theological foundation beforehand is very important because it's hard. If you don't, it's hard to answer all the questions you mentioned or to face the situations that I just described all of a sudden with additional questions such as, you know, who is God and what is he for us? And to try to figure it all out at that time would have been really difficult. So thank God that I already had a good church that was teaching us and uh, and gave us a good understanding of who God is and who we are in Christ. Also, the preaching of the gospel every week. I could, I knew I could go to church every week and receive the churches. Unfortunately, don't do that. I heard, you know, some churches tend to, the preaching is, is more uh, geared to what to do or, you know, advice rather than telling you who God is and what he has done in history. So in that respect, I'm so grateful. Every week I could go and get refreshed. Even after my son died, I went, he died on a Saturday. I went to church on a Sunday. Some people were surprised, Mm -hmm. but I needed it. I just needed to hear the gospel again. And there's just something about hearing the gospel that Martin Luther said this, and then I I said, yeah, you're right. (laughs) Uh, There's something about hearing it rather than reading it, because, of course, we read the Bible. But when we read the Bible, we have our mind working all the time, telling us, yes, but, you know, all this confusion in our mind. When you just sit and hear the gospel preached, you receive it. And it's completely different. So that helped me tremendously. Of course, I had support, you know, friends and family. One of the things that I learned in our own grief journey, and I think a lot of people are like this, and I I don't say it as a criticism, but I wanted every book I could find on grief and specifically Mm -hmm. about uh, the grief over the loss of a child. And I wanted to hear from those ahead of me in the journey, which is what you're doing. You're sharing yes. your story. You're calling back to those coming behind mm-hmm. you with hope. But soon I realized that all scripture is 
packed with, it doesn't have to have the words, the grief of a child, a grief over a child. It is, it is living and it, it goes into our hearts with what we need for that moment when our hearts are open to it. And that's what I hear you saying is that the word didn't have to be about uh, mental illness or your son, but God was using it to Mm -hmm. turn your heart toward him in a beautiful way. And a scripture from John chapter six, the Bible says, then they asked him, Jesus, what must we do to do the works that God requires? And, you know, we think it means doing more and we have our to-do list and all of that. But the answer Jesus gave was the work of God is this, to believe in the one he has sent. There's freedom in that, to believe in the one he has sent. And So what you're describing is that you went where you would hear about the one that God sent. And those Mm -hmm. reminders were precious to you and needed. They were medicine for your soul. And I love that you're saying that even the day after his death, you went to church because so many broken people run from the church instead of to the church. So tell us a few things about how the church helped you. In particular, you talk about your pastor. And some of the things he did with Jonathan, I thought they were just so precious. People would look at it and say, well, I wouldn't even think of doing that. So tell us a few of those things. Yeah. You know, churches are made of sinners. And <laughs> you find people who understand and people who don't understand. And, and that's okay. Like, But then there are there were people who are amazing. Like our, our pastor, it was truly amazing. And, and I think the Lord opened his heart. For example, I, I was saying in my book how difficult it was for me to find somebody of my son's age to come and see him. And then the Lord opened some hearts of some young people, but it, it took some time. But yeah, specifically about our pastor, I, I think it's a really good example for other pastors. Um, he came to see him so many times. And he, our, our church is not far from here. So after he did this work for the day, he would just take his motorcycle and come to our house and just come and talk to Jonathan. And what he did, he just played chess with him most of the time because my son was really good at chess. And he, yeah, he beat our pastor most, almost every time. <laughs> And they just play chess. And then once in a while, the pastor would just say a few words, you know, uh, what do you think about this? Or, you know, but in a conversation, and I think that's what many people don't understand. And I think that's why it was hard for me to find somebody to come and see my son. And that's the other thing I felt really strange as a mother to say, you want to come and see my son? It's like, mm-hmm. can you play with my son? It, it was hard for these young people. They don't know what to do. They don't know what to say. And what, what one thing I say in my book, because the second part of my book, it's written with input from so many other people that went through the same thing. So I bring up some examples of just people who became friends with someone with schizophrenia. And they were just friends. Even the young man that came at the end, that was the closest friend of my son, he just took my son out. Um, They went to do normal things. Um, You don't have to 
be a psychologist or a pastor to to be with somebody you know you just be a, a brother a christian and brother in christ and take him out and talk about whatever comes up and sometimes some subjects will come up that are challenging and sometimes not one young man i mentioned in my book that when a difficult subject came up he said you want ice cream? <laughs> he didn't know how to react. And it just, I mean, that's uh, okay thing to say if you don't know what to say. You know, I think what you're saying is encouragement is not complicated. It's right. simple. Um, we make it complicated sometimes. Yes. And sometimes we just have to say, Lord, you're telling me to go, so I'm going to go. And I'm expecting you to give me the words and um, the heart. And I love the picture of your pastor playing chess with Jonathan. And imagining the quiet spaces, but then the times where they were able to talk and what a what a blessing and to think about that. We're going to wrap up our conversation. I've been talking with Simonetta Carr, and she has written a book called Broken Pieces and the God Who Mends Them, Schizophrenia Through a Mother's Eyes. And one of the goals I have for these podcasts is that they would act like salty peanuts so that we can't possibly cover everything in uh, this time frame. But there's a book out there that has so much more. It has the whole story and it is packed with practical resources. The second half of the book is just packed with resources. So if you have heard this diagnosis or you're struggling, uh, I want to recommend that you get this book. And we're going to have all the information on our website. Um, in the show notes, we'll have links to Simonetta's books. And we're just so grateful that you are willing to be one of those ahead of us in life's journey that is calling back with hope and help, even in the darkest, darkest moments. Maybe the outcome, we know the outcome was not what you hoped for. And yet still, God has used this dark place to draw you to him. And your story is uh, a beautiful one. So as we wrap up, Simonetta, would you just speak to that person who is just blown away by this uh, diagnosis and doesn't know what to do next? I would just say that you're not alone, that I didn't know what to do next. And most of, if you read my book, almost every other page, you see that I was saying, what do I do now? What do I do now? But the Lord came through. He led me and that's not to say it was easy when the Lord leads. It's not always easy, but <laughs> it led me through. And uh, and even after my son died, I found uh, a support that I didn't expect from the Lord. So just have faith. And, uh, and also, I would say just love your loved one. It's very important. It's, and I know sometimes it's hard to love because it hurts. Sometimes I didn't want to. The more you love, the more you're hurt. But that's what the Lord calls us to do. See, Minetta, thank you so much for your honesty. And thank you so much for sharing your story in this book and for all the writing that you do that is being poured into other lives and invested into other lives. And we at Mark Inc. Ministries have the vision of offering help and hope, especially to hurting people. And I am so grateful that Simonetta is one of those ahead of us in life's journey who is giving us the help and hope that turns our hearts toward Jesus in some of the darkest moments of life. 
This is the Help and Hope podcast produced by Mark Inc. Ministries. Uh, please go to Mark Inc., M-A-R-K-I-N-C.org, where you're going to find lots and lots of stories uh, like the one you've heard today. Each one is designed to help turn your heart toward Jesus. We deal with some of the darkest places in life, some of the most broken places of the stories, though still are filled with hope. And so whatever, wherever you are, it could be that you need it not for yourself, but for someone uh, that you love, uh, that you want to be better equipped to come alongside of them. So that's markinc.org, M-A-R-K-I-N-C.org. I'm Sharon Betters. Thank you so much for visiting with us today. And when you go to Mark Inc., I hope that you'll subscribe to the Help and Hope podcast so you won't miss one. Thank you again for listening. Thank you for listening to this Help and Hope podcast produced by Mark Inc. Ministries. Be sure to like, comment, and subscribe. Visit markinc.org, M-A-R-K-I-N-C.org to find additional free resources on a variety of topics. Online counseling services are also available through Anchored Hope Biblical Counseling by visiting helpandhopenow.org. That's helpandhopenow.org. Download the Help and Hope app on your mobile device. Hope is just one click away.